You're listening to the Tumbling Saber Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Check us out on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com, on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter, and take your first step into a larger world. Welcome back to episode 102 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. My name is Kyle. My name is Corey. And as of this moment that you're listening to this podcast, there are 23, count them, 23 days left until The Last Jedi drops, man. Like, that's as, almost as many fingers and toes. Like, it's it's getting down to the wire, Corey. Yep, that's one of my favorite numbers, man. MJ. Uh, best baller of all time. You can't, you can't, I don't think you can convince me otherwise got you there dude was just so clutch very quickly a couple happy belated birthdays to the professor as i like to call him wesley and to mr robert cast host of tsw comics and uh, the the tsw roundtable which i took part in uh today so hopefully you'll get to hear that very shortly that was a great conversation it was a loaded loaded show which i will highly recommend six of us on the line it was it was packed it was fun yeah i'd seen the some of the uh, discussion in the group there and it seemed like you all had a blast as we usually do it's you know it's it's really as you know as a host of a show myself and all the other people we can all say you know you know it's it's very very different to join a podcast when you're not hosting everybody's got a little bit of a different demeanor and persona as as when when they don't have to worry about the clock and keeping the things on track and what everybody else is saying you just come and bring yourself to the table and that's it but anyway that should be dropping for the TSW VIPs shortly and then uh it'll it'll go out to the to the public later in the month it, anyway it's the last it's the last VIP round table until the last jedi so make sure you check that out when it does drop cuz it's it's <laughs> it's it's going to be a, an hour of really fun podcasting um, all right. Tra- traditionally, we start the show with a collecting update. You've got anything to share this week? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, after a bit of a harrowing week, uh, I decided to go to a spa. Had a spa day yesterday with my wife, and uh, right after that, we were in this total. It's called the Cartier de Strand. I don't know. It's just like it's like a village of shopping. It's crazy. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, we were pretty tired after, so I just managed to get my way into an EB Games. I was looking for some black series stuff but they had one one snoke on the shelf but i've actually reserved my snoke still i haven't just haven't gone to pick it up but like everyone's been talking about them being banged up and then this one was just like all those super banged up for some reason really don't get it but uh yeah i think, I I think it's just because uh, it's a bigger box and you know there's there's no support in the box and it's very it's a very uh that's i don't know what the word is like it's not scuff resistant the packaging scratches easily scuffs easily I don't. I don't think these packages are meant to be kept in in box. Well, They're actually, just, it is kind of a. This figure does deserve to kind of come out. Yeah, I, w- I. I don't think I would keep this one in the box. I mean, that that throne is super impressive. That's a great figure. The Hugh Hefner of Star Wars figures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the pics I've been seeing flying around the Twitter have been pretty pr- pretty hilarious with his his under robes. 
Yeah, he's, it's it's a very bizarre figure once you once you t- take off that robe. Very curious. It looks like he's wearing long bottoms, you know. Just see the buttons in the back. Oh yeah, I mean this guy. This is Goldfinger, or not Gold? <laughs> um, yeah, it's Gold Member. Gold Member. It's totally him. Very very yes. bizarre figure. Can't wait to see him though in in three weeks time. Crazy. Uh, I had a, I had a bit of a week too. This I don't know. You'll have to tell me if this is loopholing the collecting segment here, Corey. But uh, uh, Carlos picked up a Black Series General Leia for me, the six nice. inch, which which was cool. I haven't got my hands on that yet, so technically I don't own it yet. But thank you, Carlos. Um, for myself, I you know I was doing some online birthday shopping for my daughter, and at the same time decided to sneak in some Topps 40th anniversary cards. So I, I got a box of ten packs, and you know, you know, you're always just kind of throwing a hail mary. Are you gonna maybe I can pull something really mir- miraculous out of this? Yeah, we'll like see. Nice sign card. Yeah, no dice, and that's I mean that's the that's the thing. Like I was buying at Walmart, and you're you're buying sort of the the retail versions of these cards, which they're separate from the hobby boxes. The hobby boxes are where it's at. They're they're usually higher priced, but you know that you're gonna get something special in those boxes. You might get a signature from somebody who played like, you know, a generic officer or a background alien, or you might score and hit on, you know, a Warwick Davis, or uh, if you're really lucky, a Mark Hamill, but uh, you, you, you always kind of throw up a Hail Mary, but yeah, I, I ripped through those 10 packs in no time and was uh, kind of disappointed. Nice cards and all, but you know, whatever. Yeah. I, I did find a, a chopper Funko finally. Never seen one in stores. Oh, I've seen a bunch. I didn't know really? you were. I didn't know you were looking for that, or I, I thought maybe you already had it. No, I do. I mean, I'm not a Funko collector per se, but uh, I seem to have a growing. If I look at them, I, I got a Porg in there, but for the most part, there's about five or six droids and an amazing Spider-Man that uh, my boy, the nerder Tim, hooked me up with once. It's awesome. Cool. And also, I don't know if this really counts, but. I got my latest round of comics in the mail. Do those count as collectibles? No. No? Okay. Then screw it. But yes, we'll be... they do, actually. Okay, they right. do? All right. I'm, le- I'm letting you uh, wield the hammer on this one. Oh, speaking, yeah, of, whatever. speaking of hammers, uh, you and I and Carlos, we we saw Thor last week. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Indeed. So, yeah, and so then I finally it. got to listen to uh, our boys over at the Nerd Room and their breakdown. I, I couldn't listen to it right away. I didn't want to get spoiled. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with, with their pros and cons to the movie. It was a high recommend if you've not seen it yet. And lastly, I don't know if this counts as you can wheel the hammer on this one, Kyle, but um, I got my, I've purchased and mailed my secret Santa person their gift. <laughs> I should get on that. I have not done yeah. that yet. But yeah, that's, a good no, one. That, that's, that's going to be a fun time. So Come Christmas time, we'll be we'll be doing Secret Santa stuff here on the show, and uh, I, I'm sure there'll be some laughs to be had there all around. Okay, so before we get to the news, Corey, Ron Howard, doing what he does on Instagram again, tweeted a very obscure picture of a computer monitor, of course, and then saying that they're deep into post on Han Solo. Uh, to me, it doesn't look like they're they're moving this movie from its release date. I, I make nothing out of the image. I just I just take from this that they are just plowing ahead as you know. As fast as they can possibly go at this point, they're not moving from May. Hundred percent. It's almost as if that's what they were trying to tell you with taking that picture. Like, there's nothing to be seen in that picture again. It's just like, here, like, like we're Ron doing Howard's, this. 
we're doing it and I, I'm on track. Like we've also set up a lot of this. He's really seasoned director again. He's had all this help, all these tools at his disposal. The budget doubled, unfortunately. But I mean, you know, he, we'd said the whole time that, you know, he was, a lot of the stuff was probably being cobbled together behind the scenes as they went along, you know, and it seemed to have worked out. And again, he's working behind the scenes probably relentlessly right now. No question. So that, that, like you said, that statement says the exact same thing for me. It's just like, we're, we're plowing ahead with this. Yep. No, I, I mean, anything can happen. They could decide, you know what, uh, all this is happening too quickly. Things aren't forming up the way we'd hoped. Let's just take a breather. We'll push this off to December and see y'all later. But I think there's too many factors now against against that. Again, the merchandising, which is the unseen elephant in the room that, again, we don't care about. But uh, I think plays a, a big business factor in this, and of course, you know, the rate at which they're they're seemingly producing stuff just says that there is an urgency and a mandate to get this done on time. Yeah, it seems that way. Yeah, definitely. Well, it'd be nice to visit Star Wars in May again. I guess it's never a bad time for Star Wars, right? Is there is yeah. there a month you can say I would not want to see Star Wars in that month? No, not at all. It depends on the frequency <laughs> of the films. Though. Like, I'm I'm kind of down with the one one a year schedule. Two a year, kind of. I don't know. Be pushing it a bit. Well, yeah. I guess we're gonna test fandom's uh, tolerance and uh, ability to absorb two movies at once. I mean, of course, Han Solo is not coming out until 2018, but really, we're getting two Star Wars movies in about five months. That is going to be. That 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 is as you know double barreled as it gets. That's gonna be that's gonna good. be a lot to handle. And in between, sh- we'll get the finale of of Rebels. You know, it's 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 kind of good in a way too, if you think about it. Uh, like the the shadow that the Last Jedi is casting over the Han Solo productions, kind of leaving them able to to work in the shadows, if you will. That's almost you know, been like, the case all along. Like, really, people just kind of zone in on the the episodic movies, and I I feel like the but them being so close together, you know what I mean? Like Rogue One had its breathing room from The Force Awakens and The Last yeah, Jedi. So no, it was kind of right. under scrutiny. So this this one, like amidst all this uh, this stuff that's been happening, it's kind of people aren't really focused on that right now, no matter what. Yeah, yeah no, just you're, you're right. This this is casting a longer, darker shadow that, that Han Solo can kind of tuck itself into and hide a little bit. Okay. Um, again, before we get to the news, I didn't put this in the, in the show notes, but I wanted to run by this very quickly. So you know, as we sit here waiting for tidbits on Ryan Johnson's new trilogy, uh, he he was talking with Sci-Fi Now and maybe revealed a little bit of a secret sauce, which Ooh. might explain why Lucasfilm gave him the keys to the car. So his quote from that piece was, "I guess I'd be hesitant to use the word homage, homage, because that that makes it sound like it's just kind of turning the crank and replaying an old tune because we all like it, but telling a story that brings new things and pushes everything forward in an interesting way." That is, in this world that we all recognize, there's something very powerful about that. So, you know, that's... I, I, okay, so he continues to say, it's very interesting, the idea of the inescapable draw of nostalgia, because it's there and it's impossible to deny the emotional reaction that I have walking onto the interior of the Millennium Falcon. So, from all this, like, I just, I, I get out of this that he understands the fine line to walk between making things familiar yet challenging for the viewers. And I 
I don't know if, if Lucasfilm expected this from Ryan Johnson when they first brought him in for The Last Jedi, but obviously they, they believe with all their heart that they either stumbled into the right guy or picked the right guy. Um, but three weeks and, and, and change until we really get to see whether or not uh, we agree with them or not. But what, what's your take, Corey? Do you think that that is the secret sauce at this point, mixing new with nostalgia? In a way, yes. I mean, depending on to the, what degree. I mean, already we're seeing in The Last Jedi, there's tons of throwbacks to Empire already. Uh, the Force Awakens, people say, you know, A New Hope. But in the long run, storytelling as a whole, it's always a lot of these light and dark, good and evil tales. A lot of them take the exact same tone with different characters. It's just uh, the way it is, kind of, the mythology of storytelling yeah well and that's just it right i mean we all want something new yet familiar and that's the fine line to walk and it's a difficult line to walk but and i think that's the reason why they they want to break away from from the skywalker saga from the george lucas foundation so that they can break away from you know when when we talk about these movies we talk about redemption and mirroring and poetry and rhyming Okay, I get it. it. It all wraps up together. They all kind of link together, and it's it's beautiful and poetic, and, and you know, all this stuff sort of clicks together in that way. But it also gets really repetitive. They can't keep doing that because it, it'll lose its appeal. I think. So yeah, it makes sense that Ryan Johnson's going to take this way out somewhere else with new people, and I would be surprised if we start hitting on all these these classic Star Wars tropes again. No, it makes sense. I mean. He's taking us somewhere new. I, I fully, our foundation, our foundations are about to be like, shook, rocked. Yeah. Before that, um, he, he, Ryan Johnson was at a press conference in France, and he confirmed that with credits, the Last Jedi is two and a half hours, making it the longest Star Wars movie of all. And there was nothing else really major of note in that, um, other than Gareth with, Edwards with- has a cameo. And George We'd Lucas was. That. What's that? We'd spoken about that. About it being the longest movie. About it being two and a half hours. It had never been confirmed. It had been in a, in a bunch of places. Speculation, that we, yeah. yeah. That we said, ah, that looks pretty good. But until until Lucasfilm says it, it's it's a report. But now, but now uh, Ryan Johnson's confirmed it. Two and a half hours, dude. That's that music to my ears. Oh yeah, sounds perfect. Yeah, so again, he said that Gareth Edwards has a cameo, didn't reveal exactly when and where or who. Uh, George Lucas is not involved at all. And shock Tom- of all shocks, watching John Williams do his thing g- gave him goosebumps. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's that, that to me was like, really? I, I wouldn't have guessed that. Well, Prince Harry, Prince William. Yeah, they're Tom in. Tom Hardy, all confirmed. It's a big party, man. Okay, again, thank you, Star Wars Newsnet, for highlighting that press conference. You can go check that out. They have the whole thing there, which uh, if you want to kill a few minutes, you can do that. So, Corey, uh, Battlefront 2 dropped last week. I know I know you don't have a console to play it on. I don't have it yet either. Yet, I still want to talk about it just a little bit. Uh, did you pick up anything this week on, on Battlefront 2? Were you observing what people were saying out there? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't really have a choice but to observe it, like if I actually want to look at my timeline. And... uh yeah, a lot of a lot of mixed mixed feelings. It seems from what I gather, uh, a lot of people say the campaign mode is great, but at the same time, it's too short. 
seems to be there's a lot of problem with the multiplayer gameplay. Like, I don't know, people, it's a, it seems to be a love-hate kind of thing right now, which is par for the course with Star Wars fandom, it seems like. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I can't confess to knowing what's going on in the gaming industry, uh, you know. Like I said, ad, ad nauseum, I, I haven't played in such a long time, so I, I'm completely disconnected from the gaming world. And again, we this is something we talked a lot about in that uh, TSW roundtable. So if you really want to know what the deal is with Battlefront 2, uh, check that out once it does drop. Uh, but yeah, I've heard about the campaign. I've heard everything from it sucks, like the story sucks, to it's amazing. Which I've heard the story <laughs> seems a bit rushed. Well, yeah, there's not much substance um, after one point, supposedly. M was saying that the the video is on YouTube of all the cutscenes, and it totals like what, close to two hours, is what she was saying. Now I haven't looked it up yet. I I, I don't know. I'm kind of torn because I don't know. Like my wife and I have talked about getting a sta- a, a PS4 that will be a Christmas gift to each other, and we'll buy the game, and and that'll be that. But, yeah, bro. I've heard it takes about five to six hours to finish this game. Right, so that's not a very fulfilling experience, right? No. That's that's not a big deal. Um, so for me, at, at that point, it hinges on, can I just mindlessly go play the, mul- not multiplayer, but uh, sort of the battle mode and just go blast uh, inanimate targets just for, for hours on end, just just for the sake of, of being in that world. Sounds like I can, yeah. I can do that. So that's, that's a plus for me. Like I have really little interest playing multiplayer online. Just sounds like a great part? way to use up all your your data cap, <laughs> but uh, I you know I could be maybe swayed to play with some of our Commonwealth brethren if it came to that. But there was there was some some negativity, controversy surrounding these loot boxes things, and I had to kind of wrap my head around this because I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And it turns out it's it's paying to get upgrades in game. So you've already paid for the game, and then they kind of EA comes around and sort of says, oh, if you want to just if you don't want to grind it out, if you don't want to put in the hours needed to like rise up the ranks, you can just fork over a few dollars here and there and circumvent all that and we'll just give it to you. So in a way, it gives people with cash an unfair advantage over people that don't. Uh, and there was a lot of complaints about that. So EA responded by lowering their pricing and that wasn't good enough. And then they just canceled pricing altogether, uh, saying that they're listening. And I don't know if I buy that because I later heard that uh, the CEO of EA took a phone call from Bob Iger. And I I don't know. I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall. But uh, if that call did happen. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think you're doing over there? Uh, listen, guys. Uh, next next thing you know, EA is no longer doing the next Star Wars game. You're, you're selling my brand. Now, stop it. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, Bob. And they just turn off all that loot box pricing. Again, I don't know if that's true. But anyway, no, the, backlash, the backlash is huge and damaging and, and blows back onto Star Wars when it really should be hitting EA. Like it's just, it's, It was just an ugly situation. But anyway, I, how do you feel about that? Like, how do you feel about paying to buy the game and then having them sort of put their hand out again saying, uh, give us more money and we'll make this a little sweeter for you? No, it's sort of lame. If, like, if you don't know ahead of time, you, you've totally been duped. Well, I think I think it's standard practice now in video games. I don't, I don't. I'll be frank. I don't know if they advertise it on the box or when you download it, saying there's in-app or in-game purchases. I didn't see that in any of the marketing, but I think it's just SOP, standard operating procedure for video games now. That 
This is what we're going to do. But how do you feel about that? Do you think it gives people with a little bit more cash an unfair advantage? Or is it just, hey, just if you it, just grind it out. And if someone else is paying money, it's a game. Just suck it up and get on with your life. I don't know. I, I, I'm not like, I'm not down with that. Like I, I would, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't buy, buy into it, you know, and it's all about the grind, man. Come on. Yeah. I mean, if, like I was saying, not, I, you know, I, I want to just buy the game and just mindlessly shoot people. <laughs> like for the, for the most part, whenever I play online, uh, there's a lot of like, let it be hockey or angry birds, whatever it is. Like if you're playing against someone online, they'll, they'll look at your skill set, your score, your points, how many games you've played and they'll, it'll be like searching for opponent of somewhat of equal playing level of you, which is cool. Yeah, and that's some, another step they've taken is that they said they're going to try and, and match people of, of similar skill sets with each other. Because like, that's what turns me off multiplayer. Like, I'm a total noob. I have like two left thumbs when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, Rel- next to, you know, every time you respawn, there's some guy that's slitting your knife, <laughs> your neck with a knife. Well, yeah, and it, 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 that sucks. And not, not, not only that, but they're also chirping in your ear and telling you how much you suck and that you're a loser. And like, okay, listen, if I can reach through the interwebs here, I would choke you out. I'd wrap my f- hands around your throat and just squeeze and then see how you feel. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you can't really do that. And that's, that's illegal. I don't really condone that. Yes, I do. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that either. I've, I've never really done it, to be honest. But I've, I've had friends in the gaming world, like, and, like, listening to some of this stuff, you're like, holy shit, man. Like, well, there's, there's a lot of those people? toxicity in, in the gaming world. And... It it sucks, man. Like the whole GamerGate thing, that was that was an absolute gong show. So I you know, I I think if you're gonna monetize it after somebody's already bought the game, then as a company, why don't you make a choice and say instead of just putting all the dollars in our pocket, why don't you put like just put up front saying in app purchases, the money for that goes to some sort of uh, program or education to stop bullying and like general assholery in gaming. Like that to me, I might go. Okay, like I'll I'll pay for an upgrade or two. You know, if I have a couple beers in me, I might be willing to part a little more easily with with you know a couple bucks here or five bucks there. Anyway, just it sounds like they put in this very complex system of currency and progression, rankings and unlockings, and it's not something that I recognize really in gaming, and I don't really need to be a part of it. Like I said, I just want to play the campaign, blow stuff up, enjoy the cutscenes, and you know. That's it. <laughs> I'm very, very simple when it comes to video games. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I just like to fly around in space. That'd be cool. Well, that, yeah, so they yeah, had to take it to like Grand Theft Auto. I used to just like mindlessly get in, like play. I wouldn't do any missions. I would just drive around the city and just cause random havoc and rack up five stars and see how long I could evade the police. And then once I died, ah, start over and do it again. It was, it was just like this ridiculous thing. I get lost in this rabbit hole for hours and hours. But uh, I want to tip my cap to Omer and Kigo. Uh, they helped they helped to allay some concerns I had. And uh, there seems to be not much reason for me to get it other than the money. Uh, but then again, on, on, in the uh, TSW roundtable today, it was almost a clean sweep saying that if you are just getting it to play the campaign, don't buy a console just for that. Like if you're if that's the only game you're going to buy and play, save yourself the 400 bucks like, yeah man just go watch the cutscenes and and be done with it but anyway um 
We'll see. We'll see. I, I wish I could just test drive this thing before I actually drop hundreds of bucks, which I don't really have to drop. Anyway, uh, the other video game news this week was that Respawn was bought by EA for over 400 million bucks and that they're going to be developing a Call of Duty style game set in the Star Wars universe, which I, I hate using this, this caveat, but if done right, sounds all kinds of awesome. Like that's the game we're waiting for. Meh. Meh. What, what yeah. game are you waiting for? I don't know. I just, uh, like I said, like we haven't played in so long that, but I was never a big fan of those. Like I, I like Bond and all that, but Call of Duty, all that stuff. Like I wasn't, uh, wasn't that big on that sniping kind of stuff, you know? I love those games. Medal of Honor. Oh man, bring it. All right, so let's let's move on from video games because we really don't know what we're talking about, and that's evident yep. by now. And uh, we'll move into something that uh, we only know something slightly more about, and that is uh, posters. Two more posters came out this week, one from Dolby and another for the IMAX experience. These, and these are just incredible posters. You saw them, right? Oh, yeah, I'm looking at them right now. Oh, oh. The reddish one, the Dolby one by uh, Paul Shipper, I think it is. Was that his name? Did I get that right? Yeah, Paul Shipper. I mean, that that is just out of this world. What, what did you pluck out of this poster? I mean, I can't really say there's all that much to be to be had out of it, you know, but it's just, it's gorgeous, man. Did you notice the small figure of Luke and Ray in the background? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. People kind of had a little conniption over that. Oh my God, what is going on there? Are they fighting each other? Is that is that Luke or is that Kylo? And what is Luke holding? I don't know that it's that Luke. all that complicated. I think they're practicing. Ray's holding her staff, and Luke is holding that uh, that cane or staff that he walks around with, with that carving in the end. No, well, I think I think Luke's holding the saber, but um, definitely do put it more toward training of some sort. Yeah, I mean, Ray wouldn't be silly enough to attack Luke with the staff, would she? I, I, I no. gotta imagine that's a bad idea. No, it, she does look off balance, though. I will say that. Yeah, an odd pose for that for that particular shot. But yeah, to, to me, like if it was if Luke was holding lightsaber, it would be lit up instead of it's just, it's just a straight dark line. So to me, I think he's he's holding his wooden staff, and she's using her. Uh, TFA staff and they're they're sparring, which but it was a nice little thing that they snuck in there. Uh, the other things of note that I I picked up was an, another sort of pass at the uh, the Apocalypse Now Tie Fighter shot. Yep, I saw that touch back with a TFA. Yeah, that was, that's a nice touch and uh, Ray Saber again, like in the teaser poster, going from from blue to purplish red. Which would, which would again stoke the fires of Ray turning somewhat dark. I don't know if that's if those are f- like founded claims or not, but uh, hey, we're all free to speculate for the next twenty three days, right? It's all about balance, man. Oh, shut up, take a stand, you fence sitter. <laughs> hey, man, I'm just watching the trailers, just like you. <laughs> uh, and then the IMAX poster, a little less on the Easter egg side, but. Uh, no less gorgeous. If it came down to it, Corey, which of these two would you want framed up up in your 
Star Wars cave. Hmm. Mm. I really like what they did with Daisy's cloak in the second one, and that it's all red. Uh, but I'd have to say the the Dolby version. It's that's the closest so far to like a Drew Struzan style, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I don't know. I, those are both really great. I mean, the posters for this have been great. Like, it's something that we've we've, or at least I, have banged on. You know, when for TFA, they they were borderline awful. They were just so generic. Well, they were they were okay for TFA. Rogue One, it took them a long time to get a few nice ones out there. But yeah, but, but the Last Jedi has has sort of pumped out nice poster after nice poster, and it's still yeah, in that consistent. collage concept. But the styling of them is, is has been way more unique than previous movies. Yeah, definitely. They've all been good and or amazing. Yeah, like so I, I could deck out my Star Wars room in the basement with just The Last Jedi posters. <laughs> like the teaser poster. Amazing. I, I have that framed up. I've uh, These two posters. I would love to get one of them full-sized and, and just do that justice and put it in a nice big big frame. So nice. Oh, man. But I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever be able to get my hands on these. Not so easy to do. To do. All right, moving on. He was at it again this week, Corey. Anthony, just when you, when you think there's not going to be a whole lot of news to talk about, the maven Anthony Bresnikin swoops in and drops a Bresna bomb. Here we go. And this we don't even have all of them because it's going to be sort of doled out during the week. So people have probably already read stuff that... Uh, as we record, is not out yet. So this is going to be weird, but here we go. So did you did you catch this stuff? I know this stuff is sort of really fresh, but uh, how, how far along did you get with this? Well, I mean, for the show notes, I, I had read everything you had given me or sent my way anyhow, um, but unfortunately I was without power till about 7 p.m. this evening uh, since about 10 a.m. this morning. It was like an all-day event. Lucky me. But uh, yeah, so it all it all came quite late. Yeah, and again, I mean, this stuff only dropped like early afternoon anyway. So you'll have to forgive us if we're not super thorough on this. <laughs> all right, so one line that stood out in the intro piece, and it's nothing new, but I've never heard it put out like this. So the movie, out December 15th, is a story of dualities, of loyalties fractured, and new alliances formed. I think it's a really interesting way of putting around it. Like we've danced around all these topics, I think, but hearing it laid out like that, I don't know. It's, it sort of uh, puts new ideas into your head, doesn't it? Yeah. Like you said, it kind of like, I don't want to say clarifies things, but puts things into perspective. Like you'd said, like it's what we've been talking about for a long time. And like, that's just a, a really concise and simple way of putting it. Yeah. I mean the duality thing we've, we've banged about, since the beginning, it's it's Ray, the Ray and Kylo duality. It's the Luke and Snoke duality. Maybe even Leia and Luke. Who knows? Like there could be a four or five different ways to look at this. Uh, loyalties it's fractured. The light in the dark, man. Yeah, that that's that's probably the overarching one. Uh, loyalties fractured. We'd heard that there's a rift in the relationship between uh, at least uh, Amalyn Holdo and Poe. And that gets sort of confirmed in this piece. But also, does that extend to Amelin and Leia? Who knows? But No, I think in, in the piece, it, it pretty much stated that 
you know, both characters, they seem to have a beef with one another, but they're both uh, on the same page as Leia. They're just very different people. And there's different, they have different approaches on things. Like, uh, I think we're going to get the impression that Haldo, like, Poe po was born of and of this, you know, like, brought up in it. Whereas Haldo is coming from, you know, probably like a Senate or whatever. She managed to survive the Hosnian thing somehow. Like, she was uh, probably off planet, obviously. Yep. Yeah. I mean, okay, we'll, we'll get there. There's, there's some stuff there in the image gallery that we'll get to in just a second. Um, yeah, I mean, let's let's get to the image gallery. So I, I've only noted a couple images here, but image number four, Ray in what appears to be Snoke's room, and you can see Kylo Ren sort of standing in the background behind her. Oh yeah, that that to me doesn't bode very well, or does it? No. What's your take? It, my take is exactly that. Uh, you know, this movie is really starting to come together for me in my own head, the way I see it going out. Which I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I've never had this much pre-knowledge to a Star Wars film, but uh, it's all speculation. But I, I think a lot of it makes sense. And I, I think Ray is looking at Snoke in the eyes in this photo. Uh, Kylo's brought her there. Like, and he, you know, she, but she willingly goes with him. It's not like he, like, clubbed her over the head and brought her with. You know, like, she was like, yeah, let's go see your, your buddy Snoke. Like, I th- I think that's almost even been confirmed in the trailers almost, the way the trailers have been going. This isn't going to go the way you think. Uh, like, her telling Luke at one point, uh, like, look, I'm not Kylo. You know, like, he, he turned, but I-, I won't, I promise, kind of, you know? Yeah. So I think I think it's her saying, like, her there willingly. Like, this is what I need to do. This is where I need to, it's where my destiny comes, you know? Like, I, I have to do this. I can't back away from it. Yeah, and I, th- I th- you know, the theory that has been, or w- at least one of them, of the many, that um, Ray is going to leave Acto with Kylo. Oh, I've been saying that for such a long time, man. Like, even I think before you've even seen the trailers, man. Like, just saying that at one point she's going to leave with Kylo. But, yeah, I mean, she left with him in TFA, but completely against her will. It'd be a, n- a, nice, yeah. a nice flip of that coin to have her go with him willingly. Yeah, and I I've been saying that since I don't know, man, day one. Well, what if what if it's not quite like that? What if she takes him? What if she overpowers Kylo and says, "Take me to him, you weak boy. Take me to your leader." And he's just, "Oh, okay." I could see it going down that way as well, but I don't think that's what's going to happen personally. I think it's you know, like they're going to confront each other, they're going to have a nice little conversation. Uh, it could be a really interesting conversation because, you know, in this article we read later on that, you know, Kylo, his character does have, even though he hates her, he hates this girl, this this peasant, this scavenger, you know, who's just wielding the force, stole his saber and all that stuff. Like, But in the same right, he does kind of have an admiration and respect for her. So well, I, it seems I like honestly, she's stronger than him. <laughs> yeah, and... He he's curious as to why, and you know, in the long run, I I really see this film uh, a lot of it, and this article is bringing that out a lot, like their story, what they need to do together. Like I think they're both gonna go away from the beaten path in this film. Well, I hope so. Together though, to get like I could see them do like I'm not gonna say like like a ship or anything, but 
you know, they, they kind of both in the long run have an agenda, but they need each other for it to succeed. Well, I, ho- I hope, you know, I don't want these two to be friends. You know, there's a lot of words like these guys, these two hate each other. Like that, that's, I think it's explicitly stated in this that Kylo hates Rey. And you can only imagine what she feels for him after, you know, she slaughtered or after he slaughtered um, Han Solo. It also states that he has respect for her though, too. Yeah, that, yeah. That, those are two different things, though. Well, I mean, either they, way, they can be very different things. Like you can still not like somebody, but go, but damn, is he powerful? Exactly. Like I don't see them as being best buds or anything, but I could see them both. Well, like, I, I, wrecking- like what, where I was going is, that I hope if they're going to work together, I hope it's sort of like a Megatron Optimus thing, or uh, Duke and Cobra Commander saying, just for today, we're going to have to work together to stop that guy. Yeah, but for what means, like? Why would Kylo want to help? Well, like maybe I, I, they they both have their their ideas, right? They or or agendas. Um, I think Kylo's world gets flipped upside down. I don't know necessarily in this film, but even Adam Driver in one of these articles. I know we're getting all jumbled here, but he said like, I think yeah. it would be a, a waste of my character to, you know, kind of not have a redemption redemption arc, something like, like that. But we'll we'll get to that. So uh, that was that image with Ray. Um, the next image, image five, with Leia and Oscar Isaac, and she, her seeing, her seeing him as a surrogate son and a potential leader for the resistance, and that's exact, exactly the type of thing that makes me want to see more of a rivalry between Poe and Kylo. Like I can totally see that Kylo looks at Poe now and goes, "Yeah, okay, my mom likes you more than she likes me. You're, look at you, you're so perfect." So just a little yeah, thing I- there. I like the the rivalry there, and this, this, like you said, that makes perfect sense. Like even in this movie, like that moment where it looks like Kylo's going to kill his mom or whatever. Like I would love to see Poe intervene. I in my head, that moment is so powerful. We're, we're all on the edge of our seat. We think Kylo is going to blast his mom out of existence, and then you'll hear like Poe's theme, which or it could be Finn's theme, but from TFA, uh, the track is uh, "I Can Fly Anything." And there's a there's a swell a couple minutes into that score, sort of as they take out the that uh, first order cannon on the belly of the star destroyer, and I could totally hear that cue rising up as as Post swoops in to interfere with Kylo. I can totally imagine that to the point where if I don't get it, I'll probably be a little bit bummed out. So I Ryan, I hope you did that, man. Uh, and then lastly, image seven of fifteen. It's a very close-up shot of Amelyn Holdo. And she seems... Uh, she steps in to bring new vision to the Resistance, but ends up clashing with Poe Dameron, who has different ideas for how the war should be waged. Now, th- this, to me, seems to suggest and support that that old report that Leia may be out of commission for a while in this. Yeah, 100%. That was a, like exactly what I have written as well, like... The fact that these two have rose to the fore of the resistance. Yeah, there, there's, there's no other battle. I mean, that was the old report that these two are kind of butting heads over who's going to lead this thing because Leia's out of commission, right? So maybe Kylo takes the shot, but Poe has still interfered just enough to throw the shot off, throw Kylo just slightly off course to, so that the shot is just slightly pulled. I don't know. Obviously, I don't know. Or maybe, maybe Poe interjects and causes the shot to happen, and that makes Kylo even matter. 
yeah, well, that's a different slant on that scene for sure. But yeah, so it, it, to me, it seems like Amelin is like you said before, like she wants to maybe solve this diplomatically. And Poe just Poe wants to get in his X-wing and blow stuff up, which which makes for a better movie in my my estimation. Uh, anything else you want to say there? With the rest of the photos? Yeah, anything jump out at you? Well, I love that photo of Kylo looking at his helmet. Like, to me, again, that's still him possibly questioning who he is, why he's wearing a helmet, is this really what he wants, whatever's happened with Snoke. Like, I don't know, man. Kylo's got a lot of questioning to do. Poor boy. Poor misguided boy. Uh, And then Bresnikan had a piece on Kylo and Rey. And part of the, the one of the passages from that piece, I'll read that here. There's a big part of the story yet to be written, and not by me, says Johnson, who will hand the trilogy uh, back to The Force Awakens filmmaker J.J. Abrams for 2019's Episode 9. But I don't think it's very interesting if the whole story is just, will Kylo get his comeuppance? He's a more complicated character than that, and I think he deserves a more complicated story than that. I don't see the point of trying to get behind his mask and learn more about him if all we're going to learn is... Yeah, he's just an evil bad guy that needs to be killed. So end quote there. Does is that spelling out redemption to you? Or is there is there another way to skin this, Corey? There's many ways to skin it, but I mean the simple fact of the matter is, I mean, we've already even heard in this picture or this uh, this piece that, you know, he he's been neglected. He feels neglected from his parents in the past, like Maybe the Han and Leia weren't uh, the best parents, so that's you, a, you can glean some stuff from there as well. He's but, got per- uh, he's got mommy and daddy issues, yeah, which is not a surprise. We kind of knew that. I mean, he's kind of he kind of spells it out at least on Han's side that Han Solo, he's the you think he's the father you never had. You'd be disappointed, something to that, to that effect, right? Yeah, it's true. Um, so given the- oh, some something jumped out to me actually in the. It wasn't on the written piece, but I was listening to Anthony Bresnikan speak, and he he clearly said this, which kind of throws me off a bat, uh, off the bat a bit there, because you know due to the events of Bloodline, like Anthony Bresnikan is saying that uh, Kylo Ren was or Ben Solo was kind of seduced in his late teens, which kind of was like to me like what. Well, uh, obviously, again, there's there's lots of story to be told here, but it seems like Snoke had his eye on Kylo from the minute he was conceived. Like Leia had always detected this threat, right? We we read that in Aftermath, I think. So it seems likely that Snoke was sort of always watching this guy the same way that Yoda was always looking over Leia and Luke. But maybe he only really started actively trying to recruit and warp this kid once it was clear that Kylo couldn't stand his parents, like he was a he's a hormonal teenager, a young man, and he's just so angry with his mom and dad for for focusing more on politics and rebuilding the galaxy than their own son, which is I suppose an understandable emotion coming from a kid. And that's when Snoke says, "Hey, hey, I got your back," and just slowly, slowly, death by a thousand paper cuts, trying to lure him over. And maybe that, and Vader maybe was your granddad. Point. Maybe that's the point also where Leia sends him off to train with Luke. We, I don't know that we know exactly when that happened. Uh, all right, where are we here? 
Right. So I, I was going to say, so, so like given the way they like to kind of leave things ambiguous, I think they, in the end, maybe this is an episode nine thing, but they could have Kylo commit some kind of act that some viewers will see as his redemption, but other others might see as, as a selfish act. So an example of that would be, let's say Snoke is still working his magic on Rey. And it, you know, by extension, that would mean replacing Kylo with her. And Kylo goes, oh, no, 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 no. And swoops in and kills Snoke. Like some might see that as redemption because he saved Rey. While others might see it as him being selfish and just killing Snoke because, well, I'm taking my ball and going home. So it, it, I could totally see them doing that kind of thing that would make us argue over, was he redeemed or not? I could see Kylo starting to question Snoke's actual motives in this and start to kind of realize how he's, why he was seduced. If he could start to rise above that and be like, man, this guy really took advantage of me, you know, that can change his perspective on things. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's Anakin, that's Vader, right? In those moments where, I mean, I think, I think it's, we're seeing more of that now where Vader does know that Palpatine has kind of duped him, but he has no choice but to follow that path. But by the end of Jedi, it's like, okay, I've had enough. You've taken advantage of me for too long. And you're zapping my kid. It's game over now. You could see all that playing out again. But I still don't know how I feel about that, man. Like, we've seen that story. And I, again, the whole rhyming thing. As, you know, like, like grandfather, like grandson. There is a sort of symmetry and beauty to that kind of storytelling. But we've seen it already. No, but I don't think that's going to be the main focal point of the story. Yes, it'd be nice to have that happen. But... Uh, like, would it, though? It depends what he does, you know? Like, what his mindset is, what they're trying to accomplish, him and Ray. And that's the thing I really do see this trilogy going down that path, is him and Ray. it's it's up to them to kind of figure it out. No matter what the, the uppers are kind of saying, like, let it be Luke on the light side and Snoke on the other side. Like the kids are going off on their own and be like, you know, forget them. You and I, we got a job to do and we got to bring this balance or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. I mean, look, there's still so much racetrack in, in front of us. I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead of it, but I don't know. I, I still don't know how I feel about the whole redemption thing. I get that it could be compelling and it's, it all weaves together with the other movies, but I feel like we've seen it. I hope they kind of do something different or at least make us argue about it. Okay. So then... Um, moving on to another quote, this is very much about Ray trying to figure out how she fits into all this, much like any of us as we're growing up, as we're transitioning from childhood to adulthood, Johnson says, you're going to meet people who you think are going to help who don't, and help is also going to come from unexpected places. That unexpected place is Kylo Ren, and the situation she finds herself in, alone, unappreciated, is similar to where Ben Solo found himself when broke from his uncle Luke and followed, followed the Knights of Ren down a darker path. Again, they're really hitting on redemption pretty hard and uh, a sort of unification of, of Ray and Kylo. Like, are, are they hitting too hard on that in this, through all, through all this stuff? Like, are they, I feel like in a way they're flat out telling us what's coming, which by, by definition is a spoiler. But, well, he said it at the beginning of this thing, too. He's like, be ready for spoilers. I didn't even see that. Like, like if they're, act, if they're spelling out the plot of the movie here, that ain't cool. <laughs> That's not that cool. 
but anyways, but I wonder, like, that, does that make me feel like maybe that's not what's going to happen? I think it's more. There's more to it than we know, but uh, definitely, again, I really do think it leads to an alliance between the two, and not one of like great friendship or whatever. It's one out of necessity. And you know, Kylo's kind of maybe fed up with his master. She can be whatever it is they need to figure out that there's a, there's a higher goal, a higher purpose to that that they could possibly both be on the same page for. And that I like that a lot. It could be very interesting. Kylo, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, so then um, the next piece that was released today is um, focusing on Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, and the Millennium Falcon. And there's not much to take out of, out of this story as it applies to The Last Jedi, but it's still a wonderful read. Did, did you read this one? Oh, yeah. It was so cool. Oh, man. It, so it outlines how Mark Hamill felt while shooting that scene in the Falcon's cockpit. And then he went the day that he went to visit the set, uh, Lucasfilm actually like filmed the whole things for like for like behind the scenes footage, I guess. Mark for a documentary, they said they asked him if they mind have if he had, had cameras there. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's for like bonus content for the, for the DVD, or the Blu-ray, or whatever. Uh, and he said that Mark Hamill said that he like he felt overwhelmed setting foot in there. That it was all so much like the way he remembered it. Like all the details were there and. He was just—he just kind of asked people, to kind of just leave him there for a minute, just to kind of absorb it all and process his feelings. But I can imagine too. It's like if all these people around you, these cameras there, and you're when you see this and you're in that moment, it's like seriously, like, all right, like, give me a minute. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a consistency there because when when we all saw that trailer on on uh, during Game Seven of the World Series, and we we saw Luke, and it was Luke on the in the cockpit of the Falcon, we, I think we all kind of felt the same thing that Mark Hamill felt. Like we just putting those, Not- those two things together. It was like, Oh my God, Luke on the Falcon. Oh my God. And just, we all had this like giant moment of like Verkent Verklempness. I agree, but probably not to that degree. Well, no, no, obviously. I mean, it's, it's all relative. I mean, this is Luke. I like this how- is Mark Hamill's life. I like how they had said that, like, you know, it's, like that ship has so many ghosts in there for him, you know what I mean? Ghosts from his past. Yeah, that, I mean that getting boarding that ship at Docking Bay ninety four, that's him blasting off and leaving his old life behind. That's where everything changed for him. Next stop, yeah. Death Star. Like what the hell? Obi Wan, Han Solo, both gone. Sure. Yeah, very. Uh, so that that's a very cool piece. Again, nothing really to take out of it from the Last Jedi, but very much worth well, the read. Like, I like to think this. I had said this last week, and I'm going that way, man. Ray leaves with Kylo voluntarily. You know, Luke has no choice but to leave Acto, Acto, excuse me, on the Falcon. And he's like that. That scene that we saw is him like getting in there the cockpit and just like, like here we go. Yeah, no, no, that that is that is totally supported by this. I would I would have to imagine that is that is t- totally going to be what happens. And I, I it think it'll be, be like that a, scene a slow though. build. Like we'll see a scene of Luke sort of in doubt. Do I, do I go? Do I stay? He's going to board the Falcon and we will know what's coming, but it'll still be a beautiful buildup to that moment where he steps in the cockpit, turns it on. And then it, the scene might cut from there and then we'll, we'll bounce over to crate and just the world is crumbling. The resistance is getting their rear ends kicked and then the Falcon will show up and, 
two and two will be put together. We'll see Luke in the cockpit of the Falcon and God knows what's going to happen at that point, but it's going to be unbelievable. It makes sense. Chewie, Porg on the Falcon. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I think... And they perp- they're purposely hiding who's the pilot at that. Like, it's purposely <laughs> I'm edited. I'm leaning towards Luke now. Yep. You're welcome, Kyle. Oh, I I don't know that you needed to plant that in my head. I, I almost thought it was a possibility. I thought there was several possibilities, but Luke is... Uh, it's looking like Luke. I know it's kind of kind of Ray's de facto shit, but maybe that's the moment where you know, when Ray walks away, if Ray walks away with Kylo, that's kind of that she's abandoning that ship. She's that that's her washing her hands of all of it, saying, "Hey, I don't I don't want that ship. I've got other things to do now." No, I think she's just going with Kylo. Like, take me to your master. Here's your ship. Let's go. Right, but then what? Ha- I think almost metaphorically. That's going to be her abandoning the Falcon to somebody else. Yeah, that's possible. You're right. She, her path is probably set on a different course than the Falcon. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. All right. So then um, there's, there's more EW stuff coming this week from, from, from Anthony Bresnikan, which we'll break down in episode 103. Uh, but we got two new TV spots this week, both of which were sort of surprises. I guess at this point it should not be considered a, a surprise uh, the first one centered around Luke and Ray. Uh, so we've we've heard that line before, right? It was that the behind the scene or the the celebration t- uh, teaser, right? What do you see? But we never saw Luke's face in that. But I think yeah, this one he's like right behind her. But the, the there's a look on his face, and I think it adds context to the question. Like, is is he pushing her to explore her power, or? Is, is what she's seeing something he's been trying to visualize but hasn't had success? Like the look on his face almost looks like a, almost like a, a happy inquisitiveness. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, keep going. Tell me, tell me. I need to, what, like, tell me what you're seeing. I want to know. Or is he kind of pushing her down the path that he knows is waiting? That, yes, you need to, yes, yes, take the next step. What do you think it I is? I think it's a bit of, I think it's a bit of both. Like he knows her raw power. So, like, she could be like the key, you know, like he's the one that she's, she's the one that he's kind of been waiting for in the sense that she's powerful enough to, to have this vision or whatever she's seeing. And she sees the light, the dark and the balance, which is always really interesting from the beginning. It was. Yeah. Maybe she's, maybe, you know, that, that force tree, maybe Luke hasn't found it yet. You know what I mean? And maybe she, she's visualizing and she pushes through the vision and, she locates the force vision tree and they, they go to that. And that's what they've been looking for all this time. we we saw pictures of, of the books, right? Yep. And we've debated is Ray the first person to find them. There's, there's some, there's some shots that maybe support that. Yeah. The caressing of the book. The f- I don't know if it's just Luke holding it in such high regard or if it's the first time that he sees it. Yeah. Like know? he can't believe he's finally found them. And then there's, there, there's a great line from Ray. Uh, Kylo failed you, I won't, which is almost a direct echo from Empire. But I mean, that, that's, Daisy that's, really that kinda... delivers that. No, uh, but that it almost made me think. Like just thinking about it and watching the trailer like a few times, it almost makes me think that uh, maybe Luke is almost responsible for Kylo turning in the sense that 
maybe underestimated Snoke or whatever, and kind of, I don't know, like, Luke could have pointed uh, Kylo in a direction that now he feels responsible for, or guilty for, and that's why she's saying, you know, Kylo failed you, I won't, which... And then maybe but Kylo it, later, t- like, flips the table on her, and which leads to the conflict between Luke and Rey, or the seeming conflict between Luke and Rey, saying, no, he, I didn't fail Luke, he failed me. And uh, Ray having a lot of similarities, you know, the abandonedness, uh, the abandonment issues, all that stuff goes, oh, you know what? I actually do see it from Kylo's perspective. You did fail this kid. Let's go, Kylo. Let's go beat up Snoke. Well, I don't even know if it's him beating up. Like, I think he still wants to take his goal is to take her either by force or by willingness. And I think in the long run, wants to have a little chit chat. And her chit-chats with Luke as well. Like, I think she knows what she needs to do. And maybe once she hears a bit from Kylo's side as well, she'll be like, hmm. Well, if if this is not going to go the way you think is, in fact, Luke talking to Ray, And Ray's kind of had it up to here with Luke. You know, uh, I, I think she'll... It's because she's kind of been, been brought over to his way of thinking. Well, that's it. You, you also see Luke crying as well, eh? Is he crying? Well, he's talking. Yeah. 100%. Look at that. I've Someone mentioned it on Twitter. I looked at it again and again, and there's definitely all kinds of tears in his eyes. Could that be... From the, could those tears be maybe a force back from watching his Academy burn? It could be... That's that's to me what it is. It's that moment where he's finally unloading, unleashing on Ray and be like, this is what happened. You don't understand. Like, all this stuff went down and it's my fault, you know? Like, I can't let you do what you want to do. See, it's, it's it's these types of, of topics and themes in the movie that I'm, make me very glad that this movie is two and a half hours because there is so much stuff that they need to air out and let breathe. I'm, 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 like, if this movie was three hours, I'd say, damn straight, bring it on. Okay, then we had a, a second TV spot which focused on Finn. This is, this is a very short one, just a 30-second spot. But Finn hasn't gotten a whole lot of love in this marketing campaign, so it, it was nice to see uh Finn sort of snapping too. And if like if I what? wasn't spot on, I'm damn close and I didn't get a chance to look it up. But I somebody maybe I guess it was maybe ads who had asked us once upon a time, what will Finn's first words? Or maybe we talked about it amongst ourselves. I don't know. But what were what were Finn's first words gonna be in the movie? And mine I was I my hand up saying his first words are gonna be he's gonna wake up and just where's Ray? That's gonna be the only thing on his mind. And we see him waking up, and the first thing out of his mouth is, Ray! Like, no, it's not Ray. Well, what did he say? I'm pretty sure. I've, I watched it over and over and over. And I'm almost I'm almost 100% convinced he's saying brace. No. Watch it, man. I, I almost want to give you time no, to watch it now. But come I, on. That doesn't I, make sense. I know, but you know why it makes sense to me now after having like, why would he say brace? Why would he say brace? Because I was like, I wanted to hear the Ray, but I kept hearing brace like that. Like it's. Well, isn't there a way to turn subtitles on on YouTube videos? I'm not 100 percent sure. You'd know more than me, but uh, anyway, that that's the way I took it. But you know what it is to me when I look at it from that regard. It's his first order training, like just kicking in. Like it's almost like post traumatic stress disorder in a way. Like he wakes up like. And it's just this training kicking in, like, brace for impact almost, you know? Uh, yeah, I'll leave the possibility open, but I, I was pretty convinced he just shouted, Ray! 
But then, you know, then the next thing is is sort of Poe catching up with Finn, going, "You must have a thousand questions." And what's his out of First his mouth? thing is, "Where's Ray? Where's Ray?" That that I heard clearly. So I, you know, I, I'm I'm claiming a point for that. I don't. We don't know if that's going to be Finn's first words. Maybe he speaks to somebody else before. But I think his first line of substance is definitely all about Ray, and I, I think it's his his determination to find her. I think it, this lays to bed any question of whether or not there's going to be a, a romance between Finn and Poe. Right? That's. I think that's done now. It was never a question for me, to be honest. Like, I'm not against that. Like, I eventually want to see that in a film. You know, like. But at this point, it's a little too late. Like, don't shoehorn that kind of thing in at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was. It was. I think it was obvious in TFA that Finn is completely taken with Ray. Yeah, hundred percent. And that that is completely supported here in this TV spot. Well, back to the Bresnikin thing as well. They kind of just stated that you know Ray wasn't around, and and like Finn's looking to get out of this whole thing. Like he's like, I don't want anything to do with y'all. And he kind of, him and Rose kind of play off each other in the way that we've all said this for a long time. She regards him in such a high manner for what he's done that he kind of starts becoming that person and says, okay, I'm going to do one more mission. Like, this is what needs to be done to help my friend Ray. Well, he he utters that line again, a similar line to TFA. And this one sort of said, "I, I, I was born to fight or bred to fight, trained to fight, something like that. Born, yeah. And th- this time, this time he, <clears throat> this time he has something to fight for. So it sounds like he's kind of come around. Like we were told that when when he wakes up, he just he wants to find Ray and run again. But it sounds yeah, like by the know, end of it, uh, Rose has been sort of feeding him all this, all these laurels. Like, no, you're a hero. Eventually, it seems like Finn kind of buys into his hype and says, "All right, I, I will fight. I need to fight. There's, there's, this is worth fighting for." guaranteed she gives him a handful of shit at one point in this movie where she's like, you're nothing but a coward and, you know. Yes, maybe some tough love for Finn. I could see that happening. And then there's a great shot of the Resistance bomber fleet kind of coming up on that First Order dreadnought. The one with that those giant cannons underneath. Oh, that is going to look so good on the big screen. So, so good. Anyway, so yeah, I'm so stoked for this man. Oh. It's, it's insane. It's so like fast paced right now. Yeah, like, in your face. Th- I think you know, watching two years ago during the lead up to TFA, we're watching the trailers and going, "Oh, this looks this looks terrific," but I don't think there was any moment where I I was like, "I think this has a chance to to topple you know, Empire or a New Hope." Or at least enter that discussion. I don't know if I ever really felt that. I don't think I did. I think this, the way it's looking, this has a chance, man, that it might sneak its way in there. Yeah, I'm totally on the same page with you. Like, the visuals, the the marketing campaign, everything we've heard, the possible storyline, and just what we've seen in the trailers. Like, everything just seems to be just, like, just perfectly bang on. What you need to do, it's so hard to disassociate and not be biased. And it's also hard not to get so swept up in something like that. It's like a like a a mob mentality in a way. Like everyone's like, it's the best one ever. Like sometimes you got to step a a bit back. And I think we're all going to have to think about this one for a bit. But uh, for the most part, I'm I'm very, very hopeful that it's going to be 
pretty high up there, man. Like I'm talking like in the OT caliber. Well, I th- I think what hinges on it, I, just looking at the trailer, you could very easily make the argument that this will be the best looking Star Wars film. And the TFA looked great. Rogue One looked great. I think this very much looks like it could be better looking than any of the, those two. So that to me is not a question. I think everything rests on what uh, the like the big jaw dropping reveal that we're we're promised, right? Exactly. Is that going to land, or is that going to be just a big swing and miss that we're all going to be like, "Whoa, God, that's what you did." What? I hope it's not something where it's like, "Well, that's like pretty predictable or obvious or lame." I think it's going to be something where it's going to be like, when we get out of the theater, to be like, "Okay, night, guys, I gotta go." Like, we're not gonna know what hit us, man. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think we're all gonna walk out of there a little bit dazed, amazed, but dazed as well, and just saying we. We need time to process this. And maybe the payoff doesn't come, not, not even with episode nine, although you would have to imagine that has to be where they wrap it up. But maybe the full payoff doesn't come until Ryan Johnson's next trilogy. Like this might mm-hmm. be the longest form storytelling we ever get in a movie. And it's going to be something that we have to really learn to appreciate over a long span of time. Yeah, that's it. JJ's uh, writing. Episodes point six, point five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> All right, so there we go. Um, you know, every week, the last couple of weeks, sort of been we've had like packed shows, but we got late into the week with very thin show notes, and then suddenly things got crazy. Even even this episode, <clears throat> it was Sunday when things really hit the fan. So. Uh, we'll hope for more of the same next week, but maybe they'll give it to us a little sooner so things aren't so crazy come the end of the week. But that's it for the news this week. We'll now move into the binary sunset with a mind-blowing question from Ads. I love this question. One of my favorites I think we've ever had to answer. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and by the ma- ed- magic of editing, we'll be right back after you hear from Ads. Evening, boys. I hope you are both well. Uh, a quick question this week. So, you are leaving a time capsule for your great, 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 great grandchildren to find many, many years from now. And this is a Star Wars um, time capsule. You're going to bury it in the back of your garden. And you are going to put five of your Star Wars memorabilia items etc into it so which five pieces are you going to put in and why have a great show i shall look forward as always to listening take care bye ads <laughs> my hat is off to you sir but that, that is a tremendous question one that required took me anyway it took me a while i thought about this one all day today what are you gonna do with this like, how do you go about this? Is is what is really the point of a time capsule, Corey? Is is it to pass along uh, valuables, or is it sort of to, um, to document history, so to speak? Like, what what was your slant on this? I had a hard time like that as well, like because that's what I'm looking at now. Like, I could see my three or four boxes of toys and comics and all this stuff related related to Star Wars and. No, I just, I don't know, like, is it value-related or 
nostalgia purposes? Like, do I want to set them up for something? Because I don't know if there's anything in there that's actually really, you know, there's nothing in there that's going to break the bank for any of them, you know? Like, well, what did Ad say? Like that's our great, great, great. Did he say four greats? I can't remember, but. Anyway, we're talking about possibly a hundred years from now. If I think I think Let's it was great, me- great, great, great grandkids. Well, maybe people won't even care about rebels and stuff like that anymore. You know what I mean? Well, I want to I want to strike you from the record, but I'll you know what? It's a free it's a free world. You can have your opinion, but you're right. Maybe Star Wars in a hundred years will not be a thing. Well, <laughs> not Star Wars. Star Wars will be, but like I'm saying, rebels per se or Clone Wars. Like I'm big on those uh, action figures and stuff like that. Like. Like that's my bag, baby. Like I, I don't get me wrong, I'm all about saga, but for some reason, toy wise, it's like I, I feel the need to collect these, the Clone Wars stuff and the Rebels stuff because it's not going to be around forever. I hear you, definitely. Okay, so what what is the first thing that you're throwing into the time capsule? And it does, it's not order of relevance. We're just we're throwing in five things here. Uh, what's your first okay, thing so and why? Th- well, I can. I know if it's a big enough shoebox, I can get them all in there. So. Uh, I'm gonna package together the. This is my first loophole ads and my only one. I'll be. I'll play fair, but uh, yeah, packaging together the entire 40th anniversary collection, including Kyle's X-wing, and uh, <laughs> that's gonna be one little piece. I don't think so. That's yeah. No, you, it, it, there's room for the 12 figures. The 13th, not so much. 14th. Whatever. You ain't getting Luke. All right. Come on, man. You'll come around. <laughs> you keep saying that um i'm throwing i'm i'm gonna do a maybe a bit of a loophole too we'll see i mean i don't i don't feel, feel like mine are as egregious as yours so i my non-loophole answer for my first item is the novelization to a new hope because in a hundred years from now will books be even, even be a thing will everything just be mm. straight up digital or like some sort of brain implant where they just drop the book straight into your head like yeah like you're living in the galaxy far far away or i don't know maybe we're all gonna be born with usb ports whatever or whatever stands for a usb port 100 years from now and we'll just plug information directly into our brain like matrix style it'll be called we'll be called i lobot <laughs> something like that you may have just titled the episode nice i lobot <laughs> yeah so the novelization, for sure, because just to make sure that people still know how to read. What what was a book? What is this thing? What, what is this stuff in here? What is that smell? So, yeah. But the, to loophole it, I would tack on my novel. This is all vintage stuff. So um, my vintage novel for Empire and Jedi. I, I kind of wrap an elastic band around those three and throw them in. That's my first piece. So what's your what's your second? Uh, Well, I kind of went in the same vein i guess like let's get the let it be the vhs or the digital copies to the entire saga yeah no I, at that we, point we'll, we'll have I guess one we'll share this one, but it's, it's the vhs cassettes well they don't do vhs for seven eight nine imagine that they did imagine they came up with a vhs release well I mean, <laughs> four track cassettes are becoming a thing again so maybe vhs comes back to a, to that small niche market but um well, even if I mean, like VHS cassettes don't last forever, so if we put those in a time capsule, a hundred years from now they go, "What is this?" 
And somebody is smart enough to realize, oh, I, I recognize that relic from the past. It's called a VHS cassette. And they try and find some way to play it. It probably wouldn't give them anything. Just very, very blurred images and sounds. But, you know, it'll be something for them to look at and behold. Look at this relic from the 1980s. My God. So, I, yeah, I, I thought that was important enough to throw into my time capsule. So we, we've shared that one, Corey. All right. All right. So number three. There's definitely no way we're. Okay. Number three. Um, I'm going to put my, my Rancor. My, I have the original Rancor from Jedi. Uh, there's a good chunk of his upper jaw missing. Or is it his lower jaw? I can't even remember. Either way. Either way. It's just. There's something about it. It's like the only piece that I kept from those days. It's like all I have left, man. It's all I got. The ultimate family heirloom. <laughs> Yep. The old Rancor. So, uh, I'm putting in my signed 8x10 Carrie Fisher photo from Celebration 2. And I think that, you know, that far into the future, having a personally signed item from somebody who will hopefully, probably hold like deity status in Star Wars will be important to those distant future relatives of mine. So, your, your fourth item. Fourth item is kind of a bit of a weird one. I've told this story here before. Uh, I think the year was about 1984. Uh, one of my first memories ever. We were still living in the big city. And uh, some creepy sales guy with a mustache came to our place because everybody had mustaches. And my mom was all like, you know, we're getting blankets for you guys. What do you want? And we were both like Star Wars. We want Star Wars blankets. And the guy was like, okay. And I kind of, he was like at my age in 1984, I was like three years old, man. And I knew this guy was shady and that he was trying to dupe my mom. Like I knew it in my head, like, cause he, he was kind of like, oh, we, we, we don't have Star Wars exactly, but it's, uh, it's like Star Wars. It's the, you won't even tell the difference, you know, like this <laughs> sleaze bag. And I'm like, mom, don't do it. Don't do it. But the, the deal was probably somewhere I was outrageous. And my mom was like, okay, where do I sign? Or, or the like the guy pressured me to know. It. And I knew, and I of knew, and I got knew. the blanket, and the, and the first thing I saw, I was just like, this isn't Star Wars. Like, I remember being upset. I remember being upset, but the fact of the matter is, it's my favorite blanket. I love that blanket. I still have it, and I'm looking at it right now, and it's so cool. I'll have to take a picture of it and show you guys, because it really does emulate Star Wars in some regard. It's more like a, just a lot of spaceships, but it's the Yeah, you, the should, pose you should take of a the... picture of that right now, before you forget, <clears throat> and share that with the group. I will. I'll, I won't forget. I'll have to lay it out on the floor and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's like this: the pose of the two heroes of it. It's very, uh, very first poster of A New Hope. You know, the one that's with the triangle. Oh, it's a total ripoff. Yeah, yeah, it's a total ripoff. Anyway, it's super cool. Like it's again 1984. I mean, it's over 30 something years old now. There'll be that'll be some confused great 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 grandkids. Like, is this Star Wars or not? I should like wrap yourself in my scent, <laughs> my kindred. Um, all right, my fourth item, I am putting in my A New Hope vinyl, the soundtrack. And again, in the same same spirit of the novelization and the cassettes. Here's a way that people used to listen to music on this big black disc, and it may not survive that far into the future, but maybe if it's packed well enough, it will. But I, I feel like that's an important enough artifact that it deserves to be included into the time capsule 
No, I definitely like it. I love your story about that, finding it in the antique shop with the poster and everything and just like not almost pretty much like sharding yourself. Pretty much. The guy was like, give me five bucks. You're like, I'll give you 20. (laughs) (laughs) Sucker. (laughs) Uh, All right. Number five. Number five. Okay. uh, This one I kind of just thought of not too long ago and it is actually very important to me. Um. I guess the year was about 2014. The first year Rebels came out, I bought a, a chopper ornament from Hallmark. And this thing can pass as a six-inch uh, Black Series figure. It's like the perfect uh, scale. Height, weight, yeah, perfect scale. Anyhow, um, yeah, I mean, every year since it's come out, like it's it's made of ceramic as well. So it's 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 breakable and it's it's fallen. And uh, his leg came off at one point. My son was so upset. And we glued it back together, even though he's missing a little chunk. A little guy. Uh, anyway, we just, I just look forward to many years of hanging that ornament on the tree with him, you know? Absolutely. Uh, my fifth item, I kind of agonized over this one. I'm not, I don't know if that it's really important enough to include, but, you know, I, I thought of throwing in a couple in, a couple of vintage action figures because they were... Like if if you listen to Worthy of Recognition this week again, somebody else saying Bradley was saying the toys were were my way into Star Wars, <clears throat> and and uh, same with the guys at the Nerd Room collecting toys brought them in. So I you know, these vintage toys revolutionized revolutionized the toy industry and helped Star Wars become what it is. Like it, it just pumped so much money into Lucas's coffers that he was able to kind of see the whole thing through. So I feel like those are important enough. So I would just throw in a couple of the loose figures that I have. Um, and I guess uh, adds a couple of bonus content here. Uh, I would also consider throwing in my uh, number one 1977 Marvel comic. Again, in the same spirit of the novels, VHS cassettes and the vinyl. Just here's something that people consumed back in the 20th, 20th century. Yeah, and I failed you so bad this year at Comic-Con. I was supposed to get that signed for Kyle, and I totally you failed. You really did. <laughs> I really let you. I dropped the Well, what do you want me to say, man? Like, I was walking around. I was doing my thing, and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go see this guy. And when I went, he was gone for like an hour, and things just, you know, I couldn't make it happen. Uh, man. Uh-huh, I got it. All right. And lastly, just for you, Corey, I put my celebration X-Wing Luke in this time capsule. You're never getting it. You're never getting this thing, Ever. I just, I refuse to believe that. <laughs> it's just, it's it's not. It's going to it's a future possible. progeny that I will never ever meet. And that's it. It deserves to be with his, with it, it deserves to be where it needs to be. And you know that. And then my, my family will go to your family and say, that that figure, it belongs to me. We could all share, <laughs> whatever. It's, it's a, it's, once the collection's complete, like I said, it's not like I can go out there and buy an X-Wing and. Luke and it be completed. It has to be yours to be complete. It's like a family thing. Uh, I don't know about that. I'm skeptical. I don't know if it really works that way. Believe me. All right. Ads. Great question, sir. Really great question. I'd love to know what other people would throw into there. So let, let us know on Twitter or Facebook or email or whatever. I, but I would be very curious to know because I think people could probably come up with some pretty unique answers. And again, Corey, you're never getting it. Stop. Stop. Stop lying to yourself. Jesus. 
All right, on to some Bradley banter. It's an extended cameo from Bradley this week. Um, so I almost feel like we should give uh, Bradley like some make him part of the show here today. Like this is an extended voice clip from Bradley. So sit back and enjoy that. And we'll come back with our our comments. Hey, guys, Bradley here with this week's Star Wars question. Hope you guys have had a uh, great week and uh, hopefully you'll have a good weekend. Um, I need to make a quick addendum to uh, the worthy of recognition that I was on this past week. I don't know if it was the uh, late night or the long conversation, which was wonderful. Um, but I completely forgot a name that I need to mention. Um, I need to mention the name Micah Baker. Uh, Micah is a friend of mine that I, I met through church. And uh, he and I always talk Star Wars um, whenever we meet. And... Um, uh, I don't know how it happened, but, you know, it happens sometimes, I guess. But I completely forgot him, and I need to mention him. Um, he kind of is the one that turned me on to uh, not watching anything past the trailer. Um, he had mentioned that he was going to just watch the trailer and not watch anything else and just kind of go into the movie cold and be surprised. And at first I was like, well, I can't do that. You know, I've, I watch everything, you know. I constantly look at Star Wars feeds every day. I follow Twitter, listen to all the podcasts that I possibly can. And I was like, why would I want to do that? Um, but I thought it through and I thought, you know what? That might be pretty cool. And it's something I've never done. And so, uh, you know, I kind of owe it to him uh, kind of taking the lead on uh, me going cold and not, uh, you know, uh, spoiling myself or or consuming as much as I can before seeing the movie and actually just walking into the movie cold. So um, a shout-out to him. Um, he's one of my good, close Star Wars buddies. Um, and I just I, I was in a complete panic this morning when I woke up, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I forgot Micah Baker. How could I forget Micah Baker? And uh, he's, he's also one that goes and uh, sees the movies on opening night with me when he's able to because he has his family and he has things going on and sometimes you know schedules conflict but uh we plan on seeing the last shit out together uh this year it's going to work out so just wanted to to throw that in there okay for my star wars question this week so out of the new additions that came out in 97 of the original trilogy what is your least favorite and uh, most favorite uh, added scenes um, that were added to each one of the movies. So mine would be, for Star Wars, I'd have to say Jabba the Hutt, um, being in Docking Bay 94. That's my least favorite. Um, I don't think it looks very good to begin with. Uh, it seems out of place. Um, it diminishes the original scene of all of them showing up and Luke saying, what a hunk of junk. Um, I think that's the perfect reveal for the Millennium Falcon, and it kind of, uh, you know, walks on that um, by showing Jabba the Hutt there. So that would be my least favorite. Um, my most favorite for A New Hope would probably be um, uh, the Battle of Yavin at the end. I liked all the 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 updated uh, space scenes, uh, space battle. Um, so I, th I thought that was blended really nicely and didn't take away from the old footage. Um, and, but, you know, added a little bit more, uh, 
of a modern uh, feel to it um, without, you know, taking away from the original original film. So that would be my favorite there. Um, so Empire Strikes Back is a little bit harder. Um, I'll, I'll say this, my, my, my favorite is um, the Wampa at the first. Uh, it's not needed, but I liked it. I, I thought it was well done. It gave you a little bit more uh, context of the monster without revealing too much. And so that's my favorite. My least favorite is um, probably the added scenes in Cloud City. Um, I kind of I kind of like the original way the Cloud City looked, um, and so I don't uh, I don't really need that there. But uh, it's not bad. It's done well, and so um, you know that's all I have for Empire. Empire. Mo- Empire out of all three of them, I think, had the best additions. Um, and, and, and so I don't mind it so much. So for Return of the Jedi, um, my least favorite is the Sarlacc Pit. I hated them adding tentacles to that thing. Um, I don't care for that at all. I thought that was uh, just terrible. I don't, I don't like the or uh, not the tentacles, but the the mouth coming up. I'm sorry. The mouth coming up out of it. I I didn't like that at all. That was no need for it. It was fine with just the tentacles and the the teeth or horn-looking teeth or whatever they are. I thought that was enough. Um, So the, the, the actual mouth, whatever that is, coming up, I thought that was overkill and unnecessary. So that's my least favorite. Um of all and then my favorite addition um would probably be um hmm probably the music at the very end um i love how it's it's more upbeat um and it's more modern um and I've kind of grown accustomed to it, even though I like the original. It the original's obviously more simple, um, but it just has a nice feel to it, and I like the way um, you know it adds to the ending of the trilogy. I think that's the um, uh, the neat part, and you know, kind of along with it, you're showing the scenes, the cutting to the different uh, places like Coruscant and seeing the the. The statue tumbling down. I think that's kind of neat. Um, so that would be my favorite probably for Return of the Jedi. So that's it. Looking forward to hearing what y'all's least favorite and favorite is. And um, I think it'd be kind of cool if those out on Twitter would uh, put out their favorite and least favorite. I think that would be neat. But uh, as always, guys, hope y'all have a great podcast. And uh, looking forward to listening on Tuesday. We'll talk to you later. Bye. All right, Bradley, there you go, sir. That is a great question. I'm not sure we really spoke about that before, but uh, we'll do that now. And thank you for your time on Worthy of Recognition. It was fantastic to get to sit back and talk to you. Um, Okay, Corey. Bradley also asked me to tell you to have a cold one for him. I'm on it. (laughs) I'm shocked. Okay, so I'm I'm going to f- fall in line a little bit with much of what Bradley has to say, 
with some minor differences. So for A New Hope, for me, uh, I would have liked the Jabba edition in A New Hope if Jabba looked at all decent. Like, he looked so bad in that 97 version. Like, I'm actually... I'm shocked that George Lucas greenlit that because like, it was it was Jurassic Park that s- kind of sold him on okay I can do the prequels now like the the dinos- the CG dinosaurs in Jurassic Park look better than Jabba four years later in A New Hope and I know they're different creatures and they move differently and all that but Jabba just looked different studios different secrets oh terrible and they they updated it for the for the uh with DVD release and the Blu-ray release or whatever, but it still looks pretty bad. Like it does not look convincing. I would otherwise dig that scene, but it 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 just looks too bad. <laughs> no, totally. Uh, so that's that's my number two at that point. But uh, totally shoehorned in. The way he walks over his tail is just atrocious. It looks when I, I remember seeing it in theater, and it looked like a. Almost like a video game, the way you just like kind of like hopped over it. It was so not natural. Nah, it, it's it's bad. And it's it's, badly it's irrelevant. Done. Like, like it's really, 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 really poorly done. Like he should have waited it out. Like the, it didn't need to be warmed in there. You just want to get Boba Fett in there as well. But my my first gripe is, um, you know, Han shot first, man. Han shot first. Yep. Han shot first, like, come on, like, I get it, like, now in 97, you've aged, you got wisdom under your belt, you don't want to portray Han Solo as, as that character, but the fact of the matter is that you did, and in 1976, when you were shooting, you could have easily made it look like Greedo shoot, for, shoot shot first, like, there's no way to, there's no need to retcon that at this point, like, not from, um... Like, it's not something you could have said, like, oh, we couldn't do it from a graphic standpoint. No, no, he's, he's softened. He didn't want to... It's as simple as that. He didn't want to have Han be a cold-blooded killer. I don't know. I think both of those things make A New Hope diluted. I don't know if I would say worse, but definitely diluted. Yeah. I, I, I swallowed the spaceport, Moss Eisley, you know. Yeah, I like, I, like I, I dig those. I mean, the effects don't hold up in many cases, but... I like I like opening it up. I think that I think that was a, uh, I guess the the heart was in the right place there. Well, speaking of that, like it worked, like you said, like it uh, it was something that didn't bother me as much. Again, even though I like the original still a little better, but uh, let's talk about Empire in the sense that. Well, hold Empire, on, hold on. We, we we never said what we did like about A New Hope. Ooh. Oh, let's see. Now you're putting me on the spot because that's not the way your question was phrased in the show notes. Oh, please. Either way, um, what did I do? Like the attack on the Death Wait, Star. Let's just pause there for a second for posterity, so everybody knows. Favorite and least favorite changes to each film in the OT for the special editions. Meh. That is exactly what's written. I don't know. That's not good, guys. Is that is that at all unclear? My power was out. <laughs> I'll tell you what was out. Anyway, whatever. Uh, right away, first thing that comes to my mind is the attack on the Death Star. Yeah, that's it, right? It's it's Battle of Yavin. They they open that up. They've added some like unchained X wings. It's that's that's the best part of the movie, or best part of the yeah, updated movie. What's excellent about that as well is it's literally twenty years later, and we just saw it again on Rebels. 
and Rebel Assault. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Um, you know, one one small thing. I, I remember these. We 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 saw sort of cutscenes of A New Hope with the Dewback, like close up shots of the Dewback, and I was always fascinated by that. I think in in the the original version of A New Hope, or the one that we grew up with, anyway. You saw it, but only off in the distance. It was always just this static puppet that was so far in the background that it didn't really count. But there were uh, shots from deleted scenes of up close shots of the Dewback, and I was always fascinated by that. And then when they, well, you, you know what I think that stems back to the THX edition on VHS. Remember that one? Uh, the original one last time. Yeah, but I, I, they didn't. I don't think they put that. Yeah, they had like one pan out shot where you saw Dubak a little closer. I think there was like, it was, I think that the THX edition, I think there was literally something like three or five extra seconds of footage. Hmm. I, I, well, maybe one day I'll, I'll do a comparison. Uh, but anyway, so any anything of those old cut scenes from A New Hope that featured a close up Dubak, I was always fascinated by that. So seeing it really put in and having it move around in the 97 uh, edition. I thought it was was sort of special to me, but that's a that's a small deal. But now we can move into Empire Corey. Well, Empire to me, like for the most part, I can swallow it all. Yeah, like like, like Bradley said, of... it's it's the movie that has the best changes. Like they're they're all very subtle changes. You didn't do anything overly controversial in that movie. Like uh, there was one thing I remember: Leia staring out that window at one point in Cloud City. That that kind of it just looks it looked way too animated to me. But at the same time, like. There's subtle changes like we saw again in in Moss Eisley. Like it's just adding to the background and making things a little more grand. Yeah, like Brad, Bradley wasn't very crazy about the way they opened up Cloud City, and I I, I do dig that. I, I dig how they made it a little, like you said, grand, and just give the place more of a personality. I find. Um, but the my the thing that I don't like and I don't understand to this day is when after Luke escapes and Vader is heading back to a Star Destroyer. And the in the version we grew up with, Vader growls to one of his officers, says, Bring my shuttle. That was it. He's pissed. He failed. He didn't he didn't get Luke. Bring my shuttle. It was perfect. And now in this one, alert my Star Destroyer to prepare for my arrival. What? That that sucks, man. That's a, that's a crappy change. Yeah. You're right. It was it was so perfect before you. It, it conveyed Vader's anger. It just it did so much more. I I don't know why they felt compelled to put that line in. And really, like Vader, do you need a procession every time you step on board your ship? Like you were just there a few hours ago, and you need a ceremony when you arrive? Like get over yourself, dude. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought that was a bad change. Um, did did you do your your pro and con from Empire? Well, definitely got some cons. Um, oof, like, man, to be honest, like right off the bat, I, I, if I would have looked on the internet, probably I could have thought of something. But uh, pro-wise, I don't really have anything. Like, I wasn't a big fan of the Sarlacc change. No, no, we're, so, right so we're still in Empire. Empire? Um, yeah. I mean, that's about it for me, Opening man. Opening up Cloud like, City? What, what was your least favorite of Empire? Or do you, do you not have one? Not really. I mean, uh, they didn't really change it like i said i guess the the leia i don't know if you guys remember that like she was staring out a window in, in right, cloud city yeah, and that okay. was the one thing okay. where i was like mm. 
All right. So, well, the Wampa thing, how, how do you feel about the Wampa? Does that work for you? Because the, the original version, we only get really glimpses of it. I mean, that, that was, that was pretty damn well done. It really hyped up or brought up the, the tension, but then, then you no. actually saw it, right? Do, do you like, I forgot about do that. You like seeing the Wampa? No, you're right. Uh, I, I, I prefer original trilogy style because it's got that Jaws feeling. A little bit. i I think I prefer the Empire version by a, a little bit. I like seeing the full creature. Because before, I don't know how much of the puppet they actually made or the suit they made before. But I, I like seeing now that there's an actual full-size suit. And it, it he's huge and it's terrifying. But both both versions work for me. Okay, so let's let's jump into Jedi. What is your what is your least favorite? Man, least favorite? I'll just give a few off the bat. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't like what they did with the Max Rebo Ben and Jedi. Terrible, Rocks. awful. Yeah, terrible. Absolutely, really, it's it's just so bad. Just so not needed. Like so, I don't know. Was that really your vision? Like, come on, Joe Yauza. Like, come on, come on. Yeah, the band went from like totally taken away from like, Max Rebo was the man that the, they were like uh, the rush of the GFFA. Three man band, you know. Well, and and with having a blowing out size snoodles roll with her lips and the close ups and ah, it it doesn't fit. It's there are there are people who will apologize for it and say no, it's actually good and I like it. And it's cute. Power to you, I guess. I I do not get it at all. Uh, so I guess we're both on the same page there, right? Okay. <laughs> the the sarlacc. Well, not a big fan. Me neither. I do not like what they did with the Sarlacc either. I I don't. I have less of a problem with it than than Jedi Rocks and Joe Yauza and the dancers and all that. But uh, it, it to me it doesn't look good and it's it's kind of needless. I I thought it worked yeah, before. Agreed. Oh, it worked perfectly. It was just this like, you know, this abyss, and now you got like uh, little shop of horrors kind of deal. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. Well said. Um, and then, again, then it's the ending, right? So I, I, I've gone on record here before saying that I prefer the the new ending that ties the six movies together. And uh, I, I, I agree with Bradley that the music is sort of more fitting, considering how it was. It's now episodes one through six, as opposed to just one to th- one through three. But again, I yeah, think I think that, the, cha- the the changes made to Jedi overall didn't really help much. No, they didn't do all that much again. Uh, they didn't help for me anyhow. Still a big fan of Yub Nub or Ewok Celebration as opposed to the other one there. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I know what you guys are mean. Like how it ties everything together and it's such a grander scale. But I still think Yub Nub could have worked. So whatever, but <laughs> Vader, the full circle thing with the, is, is this really full circle? Like, cause man, that burst my bubble. No, I was like, please, like, really? I, I think there's even more than one version of that. Like, I think there's one where he, yeah, no, I think now it on the, on the Blu-ray editions. Now it's no, no. I think that's what it is now, or it's just the single no 
Either way, it's wrong. I'm okay with the first one. If he, if he just goes no and then picks up Palpatine and chucks him over, that works. I think that that would be almost a smart move. But just the, to re, re, redo the uh, Revenge of the Sith, no, it you know it, it. I don't know that it worked the first time. You, I don't know that you had well, to put it, it in the second time. It could have worked the first time, had it not been like it's it's the angle of filming everything about that scene is just like awkward. I, I kind of dig it in Re- Revenge of the Sith just because it, I think it is sort of a throwback to Frankenstein's monster and all that stuff. I get why people laugh at it. Like, Vader shouldn't be doing that. He's still a 22-year-old in there who just realized that Padme's dead. No, I totally get the the crushing of everything and all that, but it could have been, like you said, in this one, just a subtle no, and both ones like, no, and then boom, 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 things start exploding. Not like a, no, like... <laughs> uh yeah well anyway everybody you guys your your mileage may vary on that one but let us know i would be again curious to know what you guys think about uh the changes to the ot what worked for you what didn't and thank you bradley great question this week really had my thinking cap on for that one all right so uh cory our old pal james with a voice clip this week and uh, I, I'm going to call James's segment, unless he says otherwise, Jesting with James. Now, he's the wordsmith, so maybe he'll have something better. But until... I think j- j- Jesting with Jim sounds better. Oof. I- I'll let him make a call on that one. But I, I something tells me he won't like that. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's, hear, let's hear from James. Good evening, gentlemen. Missed you, boys. It's James O. Um, hope you're having a great show. My question this week came to me this morning when I was thinking about, you guys remember back when we had early set reports um, from Ireland that said the Knights of Ren uh, were going to show up and do battle with Luke and Rey and that at some point Luke was going to put on display his awesome Jedi powers and like blow up some huts or something? That was the early reports. Well, I was just thinking with what we've seen from the new trailers and Rey's enormous power what if it's ray who blows up those huts surprises everybody and and shows this enormous um showing of power to the knights of ren you guys consider that and and what do you think about that and and does it change the scene or feel or or uh or anything for you guys um that's it maybe there's something to talk about there maybe there's not but i hope you have a great show all right james thanks buddy Good to hear from you. Although we hear from you all the time. We're, we're always talking. We're always in touch. Um, and yes, I think there's absolutely something to talk about here, Corey. Like, while I haven't specifically thought about this, I, I guess in a process of elimination, I have. So for, for a while, I thought that it was a given that we'd see Luke do this based on reports. Uh, but this is back when I thought Luke was a bit off his rocker and maybe gone a little bit over to the dark side, that he was volatile and unhinged based on all the stuff that had happened. Like he'd be easily triggered and moved to violence super easily. But I don't think that's the case anymore. And I think it's been kind of spelled out for us in, in previous Bresna bombs. Uh, but I th- it really is, it's the, the recent Luke Skywalker, Legends of Luke Skywalker book that has changed my perception of, of this old man version of Luke. Like I not not only is he not willing to get involved, but I think philosophically he's a pacifist and he's he's very unwilling. I 
in terms of blowing up that hut, I think he'd be unwilling to do something violent like that. So if that's the case, if if that if my read on this old Luke is right, it might leave Ray as the other person capable of doing that. And I I think it's we can agree that she's gonna have trouble containing her power at some point. And she may very well lash out. I, th- I think she is prone to a little bit of an uh, angry streak. And again, but it, none of this rules out Kylo or the Knights of Ren doing it with either the Force or uh, conventional space explosives. And it, but it also doesn't completely rule out Luke because hey, I guess anything can happen, right? But what where Luke used to be at the top of that list for me, I think he's now gone to the bottom of the list. What about you? Well, I know we've actually discussed this on the pod way long yeah, ago, exactly. long time ago, with James, yeah, sure, on board. And you know, we we talked about this possibility that it, of it being Ray. Uh, now knowing what we know, it's still very possible. But my first thing is, man, I don't even know how I feel about the Knights of Ren anymore. Like we haven't heard a peep from them. We haven't seen an image. We've got squat, not on a poster. You'd think they want to advertise these guys. It, it, like yeah. honestly, if they're gonna come down, if it's gonna come down to a showdown between Ray, Luke, the Knights of Ren, and all that stuff, we would have had a little tidbit at this point. So I'm very skeptical, skeptical of the fact that they're if they're even in this film, and I'm starting to lean toward the f- that no, they're not. Uh, but if it does come down to that scene that we've been rumored to hear of these people coming to Acto to pretty much come for Ray and to kill Luke uh like I'd like to see it kind of go down like that in the sense that you know Ray kind of already just told Luke like I'm gonna leave with Kylo I think that's what I need to do like you need to understand that I'm not him and I can do this and next thing you know he's coming and they're separated they're fighting at this point they're mad at each other and then Luke's like holy shit they're here like I gotta go save her and like she's talking with Kylo like yeah I'm gonna come with you and that's the point where I actually want to see Luke come back and make that turnaround and make those temples explode and we'll see the Luke unchained, unleashed you know, like this is where he makes his turnaround being like, what I've been doing all this time like, boom like see uh, Luke's like raw strength a bit you know? Yeah and that that was sort of what I think most of fandom was thinking for a long time based on old MSW reports that there is a mid mid-movie sequence with Rey versus Kylo and Luke versus the Knights of Ren. And that may very well be part of this still. But like you said, like we've not seen anything at all about the Knights of Ren in this movie. So they Maybe they're out completely. I, I don't know. Some people have speculated that they've evolved into the Praetorian Guard, you know? That would be a very quick evolving I mean, if, if there's no time gap between the two films. Okay, guys. But we don't now know. put on the red we, suit. We don't even... We have no idea when that flashback occurs now. Uh, you know what I mean? Like true. we have no idea when the Knights of Ren are coming to play. Although, but Snoke does refer to Kylo as Master of the Knights of Ren. Very, very true. Okay, so other, there you go. I don't know. I, I, I tend, to, I think they're going to be in this movie, but boy, they're really under wraps, and I think that's. You know, we, we know that there's certain things that Lucasfilm does not want to show us in the lead up to this movie. And it, it appears that the Knights of Ren are one of those things. And my question is why? Is it because it's it's too many cooks in the kitchen with the Praetorian Guard? Or is there something much more uh, 
than meets the eye with the Knights of Ren. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Poster-wise and all that stuff, I would have much rather see some pictures of the Knights of Ren taking the place of the Praetorian Guard. Like, they're cool and all that. Like, they look neat. They protect Snoke. I get it. Snoke's not on any of the posters because he's so ugly. But uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's we as simple as... You know, that, that's a business decision. We're going to push Praetorian Guard toys hard, so let's put them on posters. Maybe it's that simple. How bad do people, collectors, want a set of seven Knights of Ren? Maybe not as bad as they want a set of eight Praetorian Guard. <laughs> not me, man. I would much rather the Knights well, again, of Ren. Again, we don't know squat about them, right? We They could be these awesome, terrifying butchers that just they're just complete thugs. Or you know, if Luke does away with them quickly... In this movie, we're going to go, oh, well, that sucked. They look terrifying, but they're actually just a bunch of babies. Well, unless Luke displays, it could be like a moment where Luke distro- uh, displays his true power. Like he comes back. That's where we want to see him. Like this whole time he's been a bit of a pacifist, training Ray, kind of training Ray, like then disagreeing with her. They fight and then him coming around and being like, all right, enough of this. Like, boom. Well, that's interesting because... I almost feel like if if the things panned out, like we talked about before, with Luke taking off in the Falcon to return to Crate, I feel like that, all of that is a buildup to Luke's hero moment in the movie, which would occur at the end of the movie. So if we see Luke in action in the middle of the movie, does it sort of neuter or dilute the potency, I guess, of seeing Luke return to action on crate at the end of the film or is it just like more luke the better just more luke kicking ass the better well if you've seen him if the movie's two and a half hours long i see it happening more toward the end of the second act where it's actually all happening right like that's would be the transition phase where kylo takes ray and then that's that luke has that change of moment so the third act could begin with whatever's happening on canto bite or luke starting up the falcon and being like Okay, I've I've changed my mind. Like that's where we come. It'll probably go like to another scene, like Canto Bite, whatever it is, the DJ mission, and then it come back to Luke, like on Acto by himself or with Chewie. Still, who knows? The poor, yeah, it would he would have to be with them if they show up on crate together, and then be like, yeah, we're doing this. Let's we should go. try at some point, maybe in the final episode before the movie drops, the last podcast we do, we should try and maybe put together like a very skeleton outline of the movie. Wonder if we yeah. can do that. You know what you should do. You know what you should do. Uh, we should dig up the because I don't have my file anymore on what I wrote, but we wrote uh, the crawls. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. this. I know where that is. I can we can find that easily. It's funny because man, I was so close. I goddamn well remember it. <laughs> I didn't say in the last sentence of my thing. I instead of saying the last Jedi, I said the lost Jedi. Mm, so close. One vowel. Damn. Alex Trebek would not have accepted that. And neither will I. All right. Uh, It was an accent thing. (laughs) I'm Canadian. (laughs) The Lost Jedi. Yeah, I'm not buying it. Gareth Eberelios. All right, so there you go, James. I think there's absolutely something to talk about there. I think it is very possible that given this this turn with Luke's attitude that I perceive anyway, maybe other people disagree. I think Luke's gone a bit pacifist and is, is very resistant to fighting. I base that on the book. I base that on 
we see we we see a, a an unarmed Luke through all this marketing. I think it's it's a message that this is a this guy fights with his words rather than with his. I disagree. I oh, I think he will, but I think the one we meet up front is going to be a different Luke. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I I believe the these huts blowing up will be the uh, moment, the pivotal moment where he's it's the changing of the guard for him. Where he's like, all right. You asked for this. I see what needs to be done. Like th- this girl, this girl deserves this. You know, like I need to do what I need to do. I need to man up. Yep. Again, twenty three days away. All right, buddy James. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon. All right. Time for commuting with Katie. And very simple question this week, Corey. Very very simple. We'll see what you got here. Hope you guys are well. Here's the question for this week. And series continues. What is your favorite Han Solo moment? Not too complicated, Corey. What have you got? Oh, man. Like, it was so hard to think about. Like, I'm not going to say the same thing I said with the Leia, I love you moment. So when you really think about Han, you start to realize that he really is unintentionally the comic relief. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't have a ton of heavy emotional moments. But he, what he does have is a cool of a ton of really awesome one-liners and zingers, right? Yeah. Who's scruffy looking? Laugh it up, fuzzball. Tons of that stuff. Like, there's so many good ones. I take orders from just like, one person. Me. Boring conversation. <laughs> um, it, that's the best part about him. He's like, honestly, like part of my language, but he's such a prick. <laughs> like he really is when you think about it. It's like, you didn't see us in the South Corridor earlier. <laughs> like... And like what he's talking with, even in the TFA, there were so many good lines from the TFA. Like, that's not how the force works. And, and on, like right Move there, ball. that might be my favorite Han Solo moment. It's so it's, good. That is, to me, one of the funniest jokes in Star Wars. I love it. I yeah. absolutely love that one. That That is yeah, very well possibly my number one. So I may have just spoiled the whole question there, but that, yeah. What about in TFA again when uh, he's arguing with Chewie, like, I'm always right. And Chewie's, he's like, yes, I am. <laughs> like, yeah. That's so, so Yes, good. I do. Every time. Yeah. And it, move ball. That move, was good. Uh, move ball was great. Um, taken off from the hangar at light speed. I, I never asked that question until after I've done it. That's that's terrific. Never never he tell me the odds. should have trick from Harrison Dula. Never tell me the odds, right? Well, yeah. That's the pretty much that's my number one. 3,720 uh, 3, to 1. And then right after that, you get the crescendo in the music. And then he's doing that was, like That was very Star Trek music. And... You should apologize. No, I'm sorry. I mean, come on. That's exactly how it goes. <laughs> I don't think it is. And like, he's doing all these like loop-de-loos. And like, like it's amazing after yeah, that. Like, like, I don't know. The madman plunging into an asteroid field. Like, what is this lunatic doing? Yeah, hold on. Now here, okay. So here's a question based on that scene because he says they'd be crazy to follow us, and like everybody can't believe, including Chewie, who we're gonna see in the Han Solo standalone. Presumably, these That's these two funny... have been together for a while, right? So, is Han going into the asteroid field? I mean, that that's got to be one of his more crazy moments. So, is nothing gonna top that in the Han Solo movie? Kessel Run. He's like, look, in his head, he's like, look, we survived the Kressel run. We could do this. Like, he does it pretty confidently. 
Like, he's just like, whatever. Like, it's the only way they're getting away in that scenario. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There, there, there was no choice. So he's it just was, like, was get pulverized or get sucked in by tractor beam. Yeah. Now or never. So he took the plunge. I love that. Uh, another great one. Uh, him and Kylo. Where he's telling him, like, like I'll do anything for yeah, that, you. That's you know? his heaviest moment. His final moment is, is definitely his heaviest. And it, it's I love for it, once, man, it's him being selfless, right? Yeah, it's amazing. He's like, like just what, even when it's, the saber's gone through him, like the hand to the face, the, the caress, uh, your favorite word, along with along yeah. with mysticism. By the way, it was a beautiful thing. <laughs> um, is that is that heavier than uh, "I love you, I know," or is that heavier than, or is that more selfless than um, going out to save Luke on Hoth? That's my that's that's my number one kind of. Your Tauntaun will never reach the first Marco. Then I'll see you in hell. Like, that's like, as a kid, you're just like, damn. This guy's like leveling up. <laughs> like, this guy's the yeah, man. That, that's a good moment. But, but a lot of moments that you kind of have to think about that slip under the radar just a little bit. So, okay. So what is your number one? Because I think you've said never tell me the odds is your number one and see you in hell is your number one. They're both so brash. That's what I really like about the character. So I'll say see you in hell just because, which is kind of odd because I didn't know there was a hell in Star Wars, but <laughs> now either way, I I thought it was really, I don't know, as a kid just watching him, like, I'm going for my friend, like, go to hell yourself. Like, you're not going to stop me. Like, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find yep. my buddy. Um. Okay, so that that leaves me for never tell me the odds. I think that is that is my number one. Fo- followed it's closely by, uh, that's not how the force works. So many great ones, really hard to choose from. Great question, Katie. Do you, do you expect or do you hope to have that replaced by something in the Han Solo movie? That's what I was actually going to say as well. That that's uh, very very likely. I I do hope for that. And why wouldn't you hope for that? I get, yeah, I, yeah. If, if you're hoping for a movie that's not going to be full of good character moments, then what are you hoping for? I'm definitely sure there's going to be a lot of th- throwbacks and connections to be made there, man. Thank you, Katie, so much. Another great question this week, and uh, we'll see what, what's in your series next week. And we'll wrap things up, as we like to do, with Mr. Canto Cast himself, another powerful friend. It's Jiving with Jeffrey. It's another Seinfeld Star Wars mashup. So, Corey, if Newman and George were both Jedi Knights and Yoda, and in this case, you are Yoda, had to pick one of them to train Rey, who would you pick? Well, and there is a correct a answer question. to this. I agree, but there's some reasoning behind that. You're like, damn right there is. I have to say that you can't choose Newman. Oh. You just can't. No, you can't. Oh, Newman wrong is you evil. Are. No, no, and I'll explain why. Yeah, let's hear you. Okay, well, Newman, he's just evil. He's just evil incarnate. That's what he Newman lives for. He lur- he lives to disturb the shit. So, regardless of whatever you say, he, Newman would be the Sith Lord controlling the puppets behind Palpatine. He'd be pulling the strings behind Palpatine in this whole mess of affairs that is 
that part of the saga. Now, George, they're both evil. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they're not evil. But George is the lesser of evil in the sense that George has an understanding of society and how society should work. The fact of the matter is that society hates George. Uh, <laughs> karma karma comes at George. Everything, comes, everything works against George. And he knows it. He knows the way things should go, but they go against him. So he's jaded by life, and he has kind of somewhat become an evil and pessimistic and skeptical person. You don't want to pass that on to future generations of Jedi. Come on. But he doesn't do that. He has the knowledge. He's like, he could tell you at a table, Jerry, this is how it should work. Ba, 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 ba. This is how it works for me. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and he'd be like falling down. And then and he'd tell Ray, this is how you could be and you should be ba, 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 for said reasons. But me and my lot in life, I'm dun, 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 dun. okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, you're wrong. It, it, it's Newman. It's, it, this is clear to me. Like, George is a pathological liar. All he does is lie. And he's got way too short a fuse to even make it to the rank of Jedi to begin with. So, think about this. George had a, had a subordinate and immediately hooked up with her, then gave her a raise, which then resulted in her making more money than him. This, he doesn't think clearly. He's, he's impulsive. He's selfish. Like, and, and Newman is selfish, too. But at least he's wise. Kramer told you he's wise. Like he coached he coached Kramer through the Velvet Scrunchie episode. He he presided. He's inherently evil. He's evil, man. He's evil incarnate. Uh, like that's, what, uh, that's, a, that's a point of view. Palpatine told us that, yep. right? Come on. George isn't an evil person at heart. He's jaded by life, but he understands life. So if he can teach the way things should be, that's why he looks at Ray and he says, "This is what you can be." This is what I'm not, but this is what you are. Whereas Newman's using her for his own purposes. Mm, I don't know. Like I don't. I, I don't think you're right about this one. I, Jeffrey, we're gonna need you to come in here. Yeah, Jeffrey, come on, seriously. So, Newman pres- presided over the case of of the bike, in which Newman proclaimed, or Kramer proclaimed at the end, Newman, you are wise. Yeah, by splitting the bike in half. No, that that, but that's not what. That when Kramer won the bike, then he said, "Ah, you were wise." And then Elaine squawked, and then he decided to cut the bike in two. But um, well, look, he also he coached Jerry up to a, what an eighty percent successful delivery rate as a substitute postal worker. Like New- Newman has the chops to be a teacher, a manipulator, a puppeteer. Well, you know, uh, the, the the Jedi seem to. Uh, George isn't like that. George, George, like I said, like my main thing for George is that he understands society, but he also understands that it's not for him. Like his lot in life is to suffer. <laughs> and, but he understands it. Like he'll say like, this is the way it should, things should be, but this is the way it is for me. Ray, you being so powerful, this is the way you should go about it. What was the name of, of the secretary that he had or the assistant that he had that he immediately hooked up with? Was Is it? I want, I want to say Ada, but I don't know that. I don't think that's it. Oof. He also slept with the janitor. Exactly. So what do you think at, he's going to uh, do with Ray? At least he's going to try to do something skeevy. You don't think all of them were skeevy. Kramer, Newman, George. George, the least of, of them. At least George understand, under kind of, he understood that 
it wasn't no way he know. demanded to sleep with elaine like for reparations this That's george true. is just he's he's awful man he's terrible i mean I, they're all terrible he's it's not a, worse it's a than... show about terrible people yeah look how it ended the good samaritan law but at, at least with newman the, he can concrete. teach and, and there's, there's not, evidence, of, of, there's you evidence of him successfully teaching people, reaching that goal, that grabbing that brass ring. Teaching them what though? His own agenda. Well, he he helped. He got uh, Pam to to fall for Kramer. That worked. He That's got it. Jerry to deliver more mail than anybody in the history of the post office. That's effective teaching. Yes, I I, I see the teaching aspect, but. The agenda part. He's getting Jerry to deliver his mail. You think he's not happy? These are things that are... He could sit on his couch and laugh at Jerry. Like, that's his master plan. I'm a puppeteer. I'm sitting down on my couch watching, like, Geraldo while Jerry's delivering the mail. Whereas George is kind of like, We live in a society! (laughs) Okay, look, they're they're both... Like we said, they're both bad people, but we're picking the lesser of two. And... George just has no business teaching anybody anything. See, I disagree with you there. Like, I think George understands things again. It's just he knows that it's not for him, so he has to take a different approach. <laughs> but when he sees someone like Ray, he can lift them up and be like, "You like this is the way it is, and this is who you are, and follow that path." Well, we're gonna we're gonna need some people to weigh in here. I I don't know about this. I think my argument is strong, brother. Well, we'll, we'll let others be the judge on this one. But that's it. That brings us to the end of episode 102. Jeffrey, thank you very much, sir. That was a lot of fun. I don't know how many more Seinfeld Star Wars mashups you have, but uh, we'll, we'll answer them as long as you have them. A lot of the time, the answer is going to be Bob Sacamano. <laughs> Art Vandele, Alfred Pennypacker. <laughs> Guys, uh, ads, Bradley, Katie, Jeffrey, James, thank you guys. You're, as always, the questions are awesome and super appreciated. Um, what do we got coming this week? I don't know. It's, it's it's usually a Sith Disturbers week. And you may very well get that on Powerful Friends Friday, but it could also be Steven's return. He's back from his honeymoon. He is ready. He's He's itching to get back into the chair and talk about Star Wars comics. So we may even do that this week. I don't know. It'll be a surprise. Uh, so in between shows, you can head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com. And uh, you know, again, I don't know many things in this world, but I do know that our friends over at the SWC are going to knock it out of the park this week. So go check out Talk Star Wars, The Nerd Room, Gen X-Wing, The Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyhoppers, and San Diego Sabres Radio. They are all going to fill your earballs with podcasting Star Wars goodness. Yeah, I can't, um, I can't say enough, man. Honestly, like, it's consistent. It's been so much fun being a part of this. And we're gonna we're all going to start pumping out some really cool episodes soon as, as the holidays get closer. So st- stay tuned for that. You'll, you'll hear some continuity in the shows coming up soon. It's going to be a lot of fun. Crossovers, loopholes. All that stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. So check out those shows. Subscribe to them all if you can. And uh, yeah, have have some fun with that. So, Corey, where can people find you on Twitter? Come on, man. Find me at Chop Rules. What is it? Excellent. And you'll find me at Tumbling Saber on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Come say hello. 
And uh, that's it for another week. A lot of fun. We'll see what's coming down this week in Star Wars. I, I would imagine maybe another TV spot. This seems to be the pattern. Maybe more Bresnabom stuff. Looking forward to it. Though. A lot of stuff's going to be coming around. So don't be shy. Send us in your questions. You don't be don't be intimidated. I know the same people ask questions every week. It's not an exclusive club. So if you, if you have stuff you want us to kick around, don't be shy. Send us an email. Send us a direct message on Twitter or Facebook, and we will we'll get your question in, in the show. You can also send a voicemail. We've had an uptick in voice messages lately. James is sending them in. Bradley has converted to voice messages lately, so you can definitely take part in that as well. So that's it, everybody. Have a great week. Powerful friends, we will see you again this Friday. And for everybody else, we look forward to talking to you on Facebook and Twitter. So have a great week, and we'll talk soon. Yeah! Watching you walking away from me Were you watching?